is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. I am Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick for the NHL Network, NHL Now, live from Nashville, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. How are you, buddy? I am good, Donnie. I'm good. I'm surviving uh, several days in Nashville, which, uh, as most people know, can be tricky. But yes. uh, it's been great. The people here have been unbelievable. Uh, this, this, what went on on uh, Saturday, the whole day, leading up to the game, the game itself, the post-game. Just unbelievable job by everybody here in Nashville. And I give the city officials a lot of credit because, I mean, it went off pretty much uh, without a problem. So amazing stuff. No, really amazing. And they rode the wave to a, an incredible 5-1 to win, despite giving up the first goal. Uh, so it wasn't like the energy immediately uh helped the Predators, but you saw once they the, – the difference, I thought, from Game 3 to the previous two – when Nashville had the momentum with the lead, they were able to carry through with it and finish and add to their lead. And I thought that was a, that was a big difference to it. And now, now you get to game four, and I'm wondering how much of that energy still matters. Pittsburgh got a chance to play through it. Uh, Nashville went through it for the first time. So can that energy be duplicated in game four the way that it was and how much of a level it, it, it involved game three? Well, I guess that's what we'll we'll come to see tonight. I mean, I think that, you know, what I would say is that Pittsburgh has been here before in these kind of situations. Just go back to the last round against the Ottawa Senators. I mean, the Senators blew their doors off in game number three in Ottawa. They took a 4 nothing lead, chased Marc-Andre Fleury out of the game, and won 5-1 to one going away. And everybody was ready to write off the Penguins as maybe a worn out, too much hockey. Right. Uh, you know, this is a team they went out with Tang. It's catching up to them. And they turned around in game number four, and Mark, Matt Murray was in goal, and uh, a terrific performance in one game four, and, you know, carried that uh, through and managed to win a seven-game series. So, uh, and you go last year, too, in San Jose. The Sharks won in overtime in game three, got the series to 2-1. The, the Shark tank every bit as loud as uh, how it is here in Nashville, and uh, that's a pretty darn good team in San Jose, and yet the Penguins were able to find a, win, a way to win game four and eventually win that series in six games. So the Penguins have been resilient. They've been here before, and I think that does mean something in these type of circumstances. That said, Predators got to feel good about things. They've yeah. been very good in games one and two. They won game three. Uh, I think this is going to be a heck of a game tonight. Yeah, I mean, if this was a, a, a judging event, if this was boxing, I, I would say that more rounds have gone to Nashville than have gone to Pittsburgh. So I think there's enough to feel really good about. But down 3-1 is nothing to feel good about. So really doesn't matter what happened. You said by let, by squandering game one, that's a game that they could have had, didn't get, they can come back to haunt them. So a lot of this talk isn't going to matter if we go back to Pittsburgh and Nashville's going to have to win three in a row. So all that said, they've got to even this series, make it a best of three, because I think Pittsburgh's just too good to squander a 3-1 series lead. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think, you know, even with the with the injuries and the amount of hockey they've played and, you know, Benino is hobbling around now. He skated yesterday, but today he was seen again with the on the crutches and with the walking boots. So, you know, it's anybody's guess if he's going to try to play tonight. I can tell you he didn't look very good uh, in the skate yesterday from what I saw when he was giving it an effort out there. So, um, but that said, you get down three to one going back to Pittsburgh, uh, you know, then the Penguins only have to win one out of three games with Crosby, Malkin, Matt Murray, who's just been uh, terrific and really has shown a great ability to bounce back after a tough effort. Uh, you know, good luck. 
So I think you're right. I think Nashville really, the money's on the table tonight. Nashville has to win. They have to tie this up and make it a two out of three. All right. Hockey's kind of funny because they very uh, seldom get into sparring matches. And when they do, (laughs) they're just not as intense as they are in other sports. So we have Listerine Gate. Which I just yeah. find funny, EJ, because it's you know everybody knows PK made that up, you know. Yeah. So I don't yeah. understand why why Crosby just seemed to like deny it as much as he did because I'm sure something was said to PK. I'm sure PK couldn't say exactly what Crosby said, so he made something up that was funny. I'm just surprised that Crosby reacted the way that he did to it. Well, hey, I mean, you know, it's there's a there's a great example, Donnie. Right here's PK Subban who loves the spotlight, who is a big personality and loves to be in the middle of these things, right? And then you have Sidney Crosby, who just plays, just does his thing, and really isn't someone. I mean, you could interview Sidney Crosby for five hours, and he might not say anything that uh, you you walk away from and say, boy, that was uh, a controversial statement. So uh, it's very interesting that you see these two polar opposites uh, now in this little verbal sparring match, but I think it plays to both of their strengths, really. I mean, mm-hmm. PK, I think, thrives on this kind of stuff, so he's happy to be in it. You know, he made that guarantee we're going to win game three, and they did, and uh, you know, and as for Sydney, I mean, he just wants to play, and, you know, he'll keep uh, you know his feelings to himself, and I think that's the way he operates his best. I don't think it does him any good to be uh, to be involved in that, nor does it do him any good to be involved with any chirping on the ice. I, thought, I think Sidney Crosby is at his best when he is very focused on the task at hand and is not distracted by anything. And I thought that's the way he was last year. I think that's the biggest thing that Mike Sullivan has brought to the Penguins is that he has got those guys, Malk and Crosby, who they sometimes get distracted. And let's face it, that's the idea behind for the other team. They want to distract those guys and get them into these things. I think for Sidney Crosby, when he stays focused on the task at hand, I mean, mm-hmm. he is the best player in the game still for me. And, uh, you know, when he stays focused, it's his his life is a lot better and his game is a lot better. Now, much was made about the fact that neither Malkin or Crosby had a shot on goal in Game 3. But much like Game 1, when they went over 39 minutes without a shot, it's a lot about how Nashville plays, but also a lot of the way Pittsburgh plays. They turned down a lot of shots, EJ. Why do you think that is? Well, because they're skilled guys and they think they have a better play. That's really what it comes down to. And sometimes, you know, the skill does bite you a little bit because these guys are highly skilled guys. They think they can make a pass through players. I know Crosby and Malkin have been guilty of that throughout their careers, watching them, uh, you know, from time to time do that. I saw Crosby do it the other night. And I know people who cover the Pittsburgh Penguins on a a daily basis, uh, you know, they see that. Uh, a lot, you know, from Malk, and it sometimes it gets it gets them in trouble on the power play when they try to be too cute. So uh, I think that's just the nature of being a highly skilled player because we notice it when it's a gaff, but when those guys do make great plays, that's why they make them because mm-hmm. they're willing to take those chances. I think you do have to you have to walk the line there a little bit. There is a balance to that. I think there's times, in particular in playoff series, when you want to get pucks to the net, you want to get those defensemen turning, you want to create rebound opportunities. So I think there's a balance there, and I think Mike Sullivan has done a good job. When that happens, he brings those guys back to the video room and, and shows them specific examples and tries to get them refocused on that. But uh, I think it is just a, uh, a, a uh, part and parcel of their tremendous skill level that they have. All right, let's get back to just the atmosphere in Nashville, and we're talking to E.J. Raddick from yes. NHL Now. Yes. 
Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on the NHL Network. You know, we saw it firsthand in Carolina in 02 and then eventually in 06 when they won the championship. And I guess the uniqueness of Nashville is is that they have a center of town, right? They've got an yeah. arena that's right there in town. Carolina, they have a complex. Uh, so it's there is no real center esque type of place. So there is that perfect storm. But but compare it to other places. You've you know, between ESPN and now the NHL network, you have a chance to to cover a lot of these finals over the last few years. I mean, is this one of the best atmospheres you've ever seen in hockey? Yes. Without uh without question. I think it's a unique city just because of uh being the center of the, the center of the music capital of of America, the country music capital of America for sure. Uh, there's a lot of talented people here. The, the town has a little bit of a different vibe to it. And I, again, would go back to the city planners going way back when they first built this building. The idea of where they built it, that it lets out right on to the strip there of Broadway where there's all the honky-tonks and, and, and all these places where you can go see live music and people can have a good time and you wander back and forth. It's a small little strip area. That thinking was brilliant because, mm-hmm. as you say, in Carolina where they play – at the University of North Carolina or North Carolina State University uh, in that building there, they are just in a big concrete area there. And the people go there, they have a great time, and they, they, they tailgate in the parking lot there. But this is unique because it lets out into one of the most famous areas, really, in the United States for, for music and entertainment. And it's just uh, it's unique. That's about all I can say. I mean, I think in Las Vegas it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out with the Vegas Golden Knights because that building, I was out there – a couple months ago, I mean, that building lets right out into the strip as well. So, right. you know, I, I don't know what that's going to be like. That might just be too much because it is too big an area. <laughs> right. now. But this is, but again, this is unique because the people all flow out of that building and they have the option, if they wish, to go right down onto Broadway. And it's very accessible. There's a number of places to go into there. It's not uh, a big uh, concrete jungle down there like Las Vegas has become. I, I liken Nashville to Las Vegas maybe as it appeared maybe in 1965 when it was a very negotiable strip for people. Now it's just grown and grown and grown. It's still obviously a wonderful place and a fun place to go, but it's much different than it was then. I think Nashville is kind of a a version of that, uh, a modern-day version of that. Now before we let you go, tonight they're going to unveil the greatest Stanley Cup champion team of all time and we had talked about this before they narrowed it down to 20 they've given us a list 10 through two and then tonight they will they will announce the champion of it um i'm not going to go through all of the different teams here but uh do you have any idea who might be a candidate for the greatest of all time no i i really don't i mean with the travel i haven't been able to follow it as much it's been a, it was a, i think it was a pretty unique idea and a neat idea to have during the centennial season i think it's one of those it's really a barroom argument more than anything else donnie right we can mm-hmm. sit here and argue forever about it and all come up with really good facts about and really interesting arguments about great great teams but will any of us really be right no not really i mean <laughs> these teams were the greatest teams in their era yeah you know, the teams you know, you could make a case maybe that the Chicago Blackhawks over the last three years with three cups in this era of hockey, the the guys are bigger, stronger, faster, the goalies are, are unbelievable. Maybe that team could beat any of those prior dynasty teams. Who knows? But, uh, you know, for me, I was, had the, the, the privilege of, of watching those Islander teams as a fan up close in the early 80s, and they were teams that they could win any way you wanted to play. So that, to me, was something that was special. I think the Canadians teams of the 50s, I mean, with the Rocket and, and that group, unbelievable. The Canadians group later in the late 70s, 
uh, an unbelievable team, lost eight games in one regular season. Uh, the Oilers teams were unbelievable teams, as we know, with uh, just a tremendous uh, group led by Wayne Gretzky right. and Mark Messier. So there's a – I mean, yeah. for me, I could see making a case for any of these teams to be the number one sure. team. And it'll be one of those things that we could argue and we'll – you know, I, I may disagree with it, but at the end of the day – Let's face it, these are all great, great. No, of course, and it becomes a popularity contest as well. Uh, Just really quick, uh, 10 was the 02 Red Wings, 9 was the 84 Oilers, 8 was the 78 Canadians, um, 7 was the uh, 83 uh, Islanders, uh, the 98 Red Wings, they were 6. Number 5 was the 87 Oilers, the 88 Oilers came in at 4, 77 Canadians came in at 3, and the 92 Penguins came in at 2. So some of the candidates would be the 69-70 Bruins, the 93-94 New York Rangers, which I think has an outstanding chance to win just because of how popular that team was. And I also think that, you know, you you look at some of, like, the Penguins team of last year is still eligible because they were in the – uh, the top yeah. 20 that could end up being the number one. I mean, so there's a lot of different teams that could get yeah. it, but it should be fun, and, and you I can think, vote. And I think you're right. It's You know, you look at it when you mention those teams. It's pretty much a popularity contest at that point. You know, yeah. uh, so because some of those teams are singular cup winners, and, you know, a Rangers team that needed two game sevens, for example, to win a Stanley Cup in their year they won. I find it hard to believe that you would say they're the greatest team of all time based on the fact that they needed two game sevens against the Devils and the Canucks to win in that single season. Um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Right, but it should be fun, and, and that'll be uh, unveiled tonight. But, of course, we've got the big uh, game for EJ. I know you've been busy. It's been crazy for you, kind of going back and forth. So, uh, all right, quickly, before we let you go, just the timeline. Today you're in Nashville to do the show. Yes. Uh, where are you going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow we travel, so we travel, so it's kind of an off day for us, just a travel day. And then on uh, Wednesday we'll do the NHL Now show. It'll be an hour show that re-airs in the second hour. Uh, on Wednesday as we get ready for uh, game number five, Thursday we'll have our normal two-hour show. Friday we'll travel again if we need to. And then, you know, the same thing, Saturday an hour show, Sunday a two-hour show, and we'll just follow the series like that as we go through through game seven. And uh Maybe we'll get to see. I get might get to see you two. They're playing in Pittsburgh on Wednesday night. So from a personal standpoint, that would be yes, nice. that would be very nice. And not, it's not Bruce, but you know what? You two's not bad. Oh no, well, hey, listen, you know I can't have everything, Tony. I mean, that would uh, be a perfect storm. All right, thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Anytime, man. Thank All right, you. that's the great EJ Raddick trying to connect with him, and he's got a lot going on, so travel day tomorrow. He's got to prepare for the game tonight, so thank you so much to him as Nashville tries to even up this best-of-seven series. And things are kind of a little bit of spread out. I think that makes for better quality of hockey, right? So tonight you've got game four after having game three on Saturday, so things tightened up just a little bit after you know playing game one on Wednesday. They had a bit of a break, and, and game five is not going to be until Thursday, so a little bit of a break from that standpoint, and then the potential game six, if necessary, and obviously it would be necessary if Nashville were to win tonight, wouldn't be until Sunday, and then you wait till the following Wednesday for the game seven. So a nice separation between the games, and I think it helps the quality of the game, the health of the players to be able to get a little bit of a break, even though the travel is not crazy, uh, that they still get some gaps here to travel and to practice and get ready. So should be a lot of fun tonight as Nashville tries to even up uh, the series. Want to hear from you uh, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Guy, 
Guy contributes as usual. He says Nashville played a complete game. Pitt only needs five-minute bursts to change a game. Pitt chippy with play benefits Nashville. Well, it depends on how the game is called, and certainly we saw Ottawa have tremendous success playing physical with Malkin and Crosby, especially Sydney. So we'll see if that continues and if they're going to be allowed to do that. Now, Nashville's been outstanding on the penalty kill, but when you take six, seven penalties a game, that means that there's some significant players like a like a Neal that doesn't get to play because he doesn't play on the power play um, and so or doesn't play in a penalty kill either. So uh, some guys that don't play on the penalty kill, not everybody plays on the penalty kill or the power play. So you get a bunch of power plays, Neal doesn't play. You get a bunch of penalty kill situations, other guys don't play. And if you play that much time specialty teams, there are guys that don't get into a regular rotation. So you don't want to take penalties even when you kill them like they have. It's not uh, a dance that you really want to compete with if you're the Nashville Predators. Pittsburgh doesn't want to have to do it either. Um, so we'll see if that's the case. Pittsburgh is a quick strike team. If you want to use a football analogy, it's a team that could score from anywhere on the field, where Nashville seems to be a team that can really control the clock, move down the field and score. They don't have that quick strike ability usually the way Pittsburgh does. That's why you can go 40 minutes without a shot on goal. You can look bad for a couple of periods, but as long as you stay within striking distance, and we saw this in game two, that they can have a five-minute spurt that can end up winning the game. So Nashville can be great for 55 minutes, but if they're poor for five, that could be enough to end up winning the game. But Nashville showed a little finish. Uh, They made Matt Murray look human, and we'll see if that can actually carry over uh, into the game tonight. Uh, The Hockey 411, in your opinion, how many catfish will be thrown on the ice? Well, I'm not sure if you saw the Nashville Predators tweeted earlier today. Video from Peter Laviolette saying, do not throw anything on the ice. We saw four catfish get thrown on the ice. We saw a stuffed penguin get thrown on the ice. It's great for the atmosphere but it just messes up the pace of the game. So I'm sure there'll be a couple, but probably a lot less than we saw um, on Saturday night. Uh, Brett asks, besides two periods in this series, Preds have been better team, crowd in building and outside, amazing go Preds. It has been thousands upon thousands of people out in Nashville. Just unbelievable. The building has been electric, and there's so much star power with Keith Urban and and Nicole Kipman. It's really just been a tremendous atmosphere there in Nashville. But we'll see if that can carry another game. As I mentioned with EJ, I understand it carrying through one game, but Pittsburgh's been there and they've done that. They have understand the atmosphere. They've won cups before. They've played in these kind of frantic uh, situations, so we'll see. I can't see it being duplicated, meaning it's going to have the same type of impact it had in Game 3, but I'm sure it's going to still have some sort of an impact there, and I, and I think it's going to be a really, really fun game to play. And just because I'm a hockey fan, I'd like to be able to see this series be even at two games apiece and go back to Pittsburgh and have it be a best-of-three series and and have some fun with this. So, And I know, and I mentioned before, I cannot see Pittsburgh blowing a 3-1 series lead. You can throw it back at me. Well, they almost did against the Washington Capitals, but for the, with the cup on the line, and remember, Pittsburgh still won that game seven. It would be in Pittsburgh, so I'm not really sure that uh, Nashville wants to dance having to fall behind three games to one, especially not taking advantage of the momentum they have going in to game four, if indeed momentum ends up meaning anything uh, in these playoffs. But looking forward to this game tonight. We'll be back with you again tomorrow to recap number four. And of course, we got the draft to get into. I know some people were asking questions about the draft. We'll hold some of that off until we get closer and closer to the that draft. But thanks for listening today. Back again tomorrow. Don't forget you can follow us on the Apple podcast. Also, you can follow us on the ESPN app. Definitely subscribe if you got any questions, comments at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct, and we'll read them on the air. So back again tomorrow. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. 
This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. 